This is Novel Marketing, the show for novelists who aren't necessarily fond of marketing, but still want to become best-selling authors. Episode 121. I'm James L. Rubart, but call me Jim. I'm Thomas Umstadt, Jr. I'm Brian Cohen. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about email marketing for humans. And we've talked a lot on this show that email is gold. Your list is gold. It is the number one driver of book sales. It's the tractor that pulls all the other marketing efforts along behind it. So we're going to talk about that in detail today with a special guest. Yes, Thomas? Yeah, today we're talking with marketing uh, email marketing expert Brian Cohen. Uh, Brian is the two-time USA Today best-selling author and the co-host of the Sell More Book Show podcast. He's also written over 850 book descriptions for other off- authors in a variety of genres, and he has over 30,000 email subscribers uh, for his fiction <laughs> and nonfiction email lists, so he knows a little bit about what he's doing. And I will say, the Sell More Book Show is great. It's a great companion to novel marketing. We tend to cover... Um, kind of timeless marketing principles, whereas they cover like day-to-day news and tactics that are working right now. So Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you guys for having me. And, and I'm glad that you like the show, uh, our show as well. So uh, Brian, we're going to just dive in with some questions. I guess the first question is why should authors bother with email when readers are bombarded? Uh, I'm sure you deal with this with so many email messages that hit their inbox. So why even bother with it in the first place? Well, it's really about playing the percentages, I think, a little bit, because readers are also bombarded with uh, Facebook messages and Facebook posts and Twitter posts and phone calls and text messages. They're, They're really bombarded with everything. But if you're going to play the percentages, when you send out a Facebook post, say say you've even gone so far as to have a Facebook group of, of maybe a, a few hundred people like your your advanced reader copy launch team type type people, a very low percentage of them actually tend to see it. If you have a Facebook group and have, have shared it around or you have a Facebook page uh, for your for your author name for your business, you'll see that you might get a like here or there, but it's a very low percentage of people who will actually check that out. Whereas if you are sending an email to a list, and I usually mean not just through your Gmail account, I mean through a an email marketing service like AWeber or MailChimp or uh, uh, ConvertKit, there, there's so many out there. You will see that usually... If you have done this email thing right, you will at least get one out of every five to open the email and maybe even significantly more than that. And you're not going to get those kinds of percentages anywhere else through any kind of social media hack or whatever that you hear around the internet. Uh, Email is still the highest percentage for, for most people in the marketing world. And you're not just getting the most number of people, but you're also getting people in the best frame of mind. Mm. So when someone's on Facebook, it's like they're at a cocktail party and they're not ready to make a purchase. They may not have their credit card with them, but when you send them an email, people are used to making purchases after getting emails. Amazon emails you, you know, here's some relevant products compared to what you were looking at earlier today that we totally spied on you and we know you're looking for TVs, <laughs> so here's some deal, deals and TVs and you buy one, right? It's You get bills uh, sent to you, invoices sent to you by email and you buy them. And so you're already in an emotional place where making a purchase is not weird or awkward. 
Yeah, I totally agree with that. And and people are, let's face it, on Facebook to scroll for the most part. And so if not everyone is reading every single email in detail, but at least they're less likely to just scroll down and only catch the headlines of things or the pretty little videos, they are more likely to read it and absorb what you are saying. So Brian, why do authors have trouble connecting with their readers via email? And I know it's not just because they're BCCing everyone out of Outlook. I know there's some more fundamental challenges than that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that a lot of authors tend to feel weird about anything in marketing. This is just the highest percentage, high, higher percentage of authors just don't want to do any marketing or anything they feel like they think might be conceived of as salesy. And so they automatically, in their mind, that tends to be anything organized that could sell my books. <laughs> right. uh, they, they feel a little weird about, which... I, I get. I, I mean, I understand that. And, and we all feel that when we're jumping into the game for the first time. But uh, there are certain things we just have to do in order to to market our books. And when people actually go so far, when authors go so far as to set up their email list, as to actually do the right things and and start start gathering people's names away from social media and onto email, they say, well... I don't want to fill up somebody's inbox. So I'm actually only going to email people when I have a launch, uh, which could be every six months, three months, two years. And the problem with that, obviously, is if you signed up for an author's email list and they don't email you for three months, they probably aren't going to remember you, or at least they're not going to feel like they have some urgent need to read that email. And so we need to remember that when we're sending out emails, we're doing it in part to sell our books and to promote ourselves, but we're also trying to keep ourselves in the front or towards the front of these readers' minds so that they look forward to our emails instead of putting it into the ignore pile. Yeah, there's a psychological phenomenon known as the spotlight effect uh, that really affects email marketing, I found. So the spotlight effect is in our life, we are the protagonist of our own story. It's as if we were walking through life with a spotlight on us and everyone and it's easy to assume that since we care more about ourselves, everybody else is paying more attention to us than they really are. And so people often think, oh, when I send out an email, it's glowing, right? It floats to the top of the inbox and every typo will be found and every sentence will be carefully read. And the reality is if you haven't emailed someone in two years, they've probably forgotten that you even exist, right? You haven't forgotten that you exist, but they have. And so you have to stay top of mind by sending relevant emails from time to time. Uh, but they have to be interesting. Sending, you know, reminding somebody who you are and reminding them how boring you are isn't going to help you sell more books. <laughs> But it is, but you're right, Thomas, it does have to be interesting, but the very fact that you're sending your name out and they're seeing it in your inbox, that has an impact. I, I mentioned to Brian before we started recording that that I've been a subscriber to, to him uh, for a long time. I don't read every one of his emails, but when I see his email, oh, that's one from Brian. Whereas if, like you said, Brian, if you're sending it out every three months, it's like, who is this guy? Did, did I subscribe to this? So just even simply seeing the name uh, does have an impact. And I think you bring up a really good point, Jim. It's that 
you have you're on my list. You've been on my list for a while. You're you're not someone who's going to see an email from me and say, oh, this guy sends too much and unsubscribes. You're a fan. And yet, which I appreciate. So thank you. Um, <laughs> but uh, you don't read every email. And people look at the statistics. And if you've never, if, if you're out there, you've never been with an email service provider like MailChimp, you get to see the percentage of people who read your email. So, or at least just opened it. And, and you see a certain percentage, 20%, 30%, et cetera. But it's not always the same 20 or 30%. And so you, you get discouraged. Oh, only 20 people read my email or only 20% of people read my email. But really, if you send out may, maybe a couple of emails about a launch or a sale, you actually end up hitting closer to 30 to 40%. But you don't realize that when you're sending it out because you just see that one number. So that just shows how much you can even be doing better than you think with email marketing uh, just by uh, then by looking at a single percentage number. That's a great point. That's right. And one technique even is to do what's called an echo send, where after a week or so, you send the same email again, but only to the people who didn't open it the first time. Or maybe you tweak the title a little bit so it doesn't look like the same email, but it's 90% the same email. And often you can squeeze a little bit more juice out of that uh, orange than you did with that first email. I was just going to say, but that, of course, is the thing that some authors are scared of being extra markety. So, uh, but, but those are techniques that we can use. We're allowed to use them. If you're an author and you're feeling like that, I would just like to say as a reader, as somebody who reads dozens of books a year and sometimes over a hundred books a year, I want to know when your new book comes out. Like that is why I'm on your list. Like I get, cause I don't always get an email from Audible. I buy all of my books on Audible and Audible doesn't do a great job emailing me when the next book in a series is out. And so I rely on you, the author, to let me know. I want to get that email. Please send me the email. Shut up and take my money. All right. So it's rant over. <laughs> Good rant. I like it. <laughs> so Brian, Brian, you mentioned uh, frequency, right? You can't, you, you can't send out, you know, to a year. Um, what are some of the other kind of basic mistakes that you see authors make time and again? Well, I think that beyond frequency, we have authors who don't really have any meat to their emails. They're the authors who just say, Hey, go click here and buy my book. Uh, and we have the people who ramble. We have the very long emails that bury a link to maybe buying a book or downloading a freebie all the way at the bottom after after a, a long rambling email. We, we also have the, the, the link, the, the people who love the links. We have people who will link to seven different things in an email and only one of those actually being relevant to, to the books. You could have the, oh, look at this article I saw that was interesting. And uh, look at this other friend's book who has this and look at my book. Well, when you water it down like that, it, it it's tough to go through. I, I think I've seen so many different things that can go wrong with email. But I will tell you, one of the things that I think never fails to go right with email is being genuine is being who you are. Maybe that includes a picture of your daughter, in my case. Uh, 
Maybe that just includes a real story from your past. You can mess a lot of things up in email. I've messed things up in email. I'm not saying all my emails I send out are perfect. Certainly they're not. But when you be when when you try to be yourself, you can actually avoid some of, you know, the need to be perfect. You can mess other things up and still have people who want to read your emails. That's really good. I remember working with one author and uh, she was a novelist and traditionally published. She didn't have books coming out every month. She had books coming out, you know, once a year. And she was you know, wondering, what should I be writing about? And one of the things that we found worked really well with her audience was she was writing flash fiction. She write a thousand word short story that was about herself, something funny or embarrassing. The ones that did the best were embarrassing stories of something that happened in her life. And it wasn't directly tied to her fiction, but it did show off her storytelling and it really resonated with her audience and it gave her audience a small glimpse into her life. And we found that the open rates on those emails were surprisingly high, much higher than I would have expected because that's not exactly the kind of email I want to read, but it was the kind of email her audience wanted to read. And she wrote more of those kind of human interest type stories and it just really worked for her. I, that, that's, I think that's key, Thomas. It really is key. Be genuine, be yourself. Like you're saying, be vulnerable. It, when you are vulnerable, it opens up worlds. I was consulting with an author one time, and it turned out that she, her left hand was uh, slightly deformed, and she was so embarrassed about it, and she didn't want anybody to know it. And yet she was, she had learned how to type with it and obviously write novels with it in stories. And I said, oh my gosh, no, the, your, your story is inspirational. If you're vulnerable with that with people, that will inspire people. It's not something to hide or be ashamed of. And she did. And, and, and people did resonate with that. So I think anytime we can be vulnerable, uh, it's, it's going to go a long ways. Brian, how do you uh, recommend authors set up their emails? What do authors normally do to set up emails to go out to their readers? Well, I think you need a platform that allows you to have that automatic, uh, the, the automated capability of an email going out as soon as someone signs up for your list, and then the ability to schedule additional emails to go out because we're going to get different readers at different points of our career. Obviously, when you're just starting out, you maybe don't have a book or you only have one book. And so you don't necessarily have a lot of things to share with people. And so everyone who gets onto your list towards the beginning, they'll get the same kind of stuff. But if you're later on down the road in your career, two books, three books, four books, some people have to catch up. And it's too much of a pain, I think, to try to catch everybody up with new live emails. You're not saying one one week and then three weeks later and then three weeks later, you just send out an email that says, oh, for those of you who don't know me, uh, that would get really annoying as a reader. <laughs> uh, but when new people come on, you have the schedule set up, a new person comes in and they will get a freebie from you, maybe that you you set up. I like to use book funnel for this. Uh, you set up a free download so someone can check out some of your work. And and over the course of a couple of emails that maybe go out over the course of a, a week or a couple of months, you will share more about who you are and you will give them opportunities to buy your stuff. But these are the kind of things that get a little confusing for authors. You 
don't necessarily want to get people who are getting your automatic emails, you don't want to send them double emails if you have a new book coming out. So you kind of have to learn the technology a little bit and how it works and how to segment your your new people from the people who have been on your list for a while, which is a bit of a learning curve, but but I really recommend any author who goes to figure this out, they they do a bit of the research, they ask some questions to to make sure they're doing it the right way. Yeah, we'll say we did this with the novel marketing uh, email newsletter, which we finally created after three years of talking about email marketing. We were such hypocrites. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'm going to practice my own preaching. I want to set this up. And we didn't for the first several months even mention it on the podcast. It was just for people coming to the website. But we set up an onboarding campaign, like what you're saying. It was a series of, I don't know, five or six emails that drip out over a few weeks. And our open rates on some of those emails are as high as 75%. And some of them are lower. And it allows us to be like, oh, this email is not performing. Let's go in and make some tweaks and then new people who are getting on the list get the better version. So it's able to evolve and improve. And uh, MailChimp now lets you uh, have automations for free. You used to have to pay for the premium version. They've now bundled that into the free version. Uh, not that I'm recommending MailChimp. The other ones are arguably better if more expensive, like ConvertKit <laughs> um, does some cool things MailChimp doesn't do. Um, what What is, some, Brian, uh, going back to your expertise, what do you recommend that authors do to get uh, more subscribers? And that's a, a huge question. That's really the, the $10 million question at the top there. Because uh, there are a lot of different ways that people get subscribers. Now, the best way to get the highest quality subscribers is by getting them organically. And nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> that's, that's not the fancy sell a $10 million course uh, sort of thing. Uh, people say, wait, I can't throw money at that. I can't do that uh, quickly and in 24 hours. But it's the best answer for how to get the good subscribers. And you get organic subscribers by having a website set up, uh, by maybe having, if you're nonfiction, some content marketing there. If you're fiction, just having a, a, a bit of a presence there where people can find you. Maybe they come to it off of your Amazon author page where you conveniently have a link placed in your bio uh, and they come from your books, from buying your books. And writing more books is a great way to get more organic subscribers. And so you need to remember, it's not just about quantity. It is about quality because I know one of the most uh, successful authors of 2016, 2017 in the indie sphere, Michael Anderley. He has a list of under 10,000 readers, despite being a seven-figure author. And people who have been following all the list-building mania might say, well, how is that possible? It's because he doesn't do anything to build his list other than write more books and get people organically. Now, of course, there are so many ways to build your list beyond that. There are sites that you pay uh, to to promote a freebie, like InstaFreebie. There's uh, different promotional companies, OTOH, Ryan Z. There's all sorts of different uh, services you can hire. You can also use paid advertising. You can use Facebook ads. Uh, that, that seems to be one of the most effective for list building. Twitter has an ad platform that I've heard 
is not as good for gathering people, but none of these readers are going to be as uh, tied in, as keyed in to what you're writing as your organic readers will be. But there, if you want to gain more people more quickly, you can use paid services to do it. You just should be trying to get both at the same time if you are doing paid services. Now, I want you to notice what Brian did not say when he said how to get subscribers. He did not say buy a list of subscribers from another author in a similar genre or buy a list of subscribers off of somebody from Craigslist. That does not work. Uh, and I, I see people trying it over and over again, trying to buy lists. And what he's talking about is advertising where you show an ad or give away and they still have to type in their email address and they still have to subscribe specifically to your list. Uh, anything other than that? is spam. <laughs> Just because you're sending something interesting doesn't mean it's not spam. Spam is in the eye of the beholder. And not only is spam like wrong, but it also sabotages all of your organic subscribers. Because if one person in Gmail marks you as spam, that's a vote for all of your emails to all Gmail users to go to spam. And it only takes a couple of people to do that and suddenly no one in Gmail can see your emails anymore and your email marketing has really been torpedoed. And it, it's it's it is the snowball uh, cliche. It, it it starts out small, and it but it it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and goes faster and faster. I, I had a very small list, and then you start writing books, and you start winning awards, you start being interviewed on other shows. It it starts growing organically faster than it does at the start, and a lot of people don't like to start because they. Th oh my gosh, it's been two months, and I only have fifty names on my list. Well, yeah, but uh, that's at the point where you have to keep going. And, and keep pressing into it. Brian, you were talking about uh, automatic emails earlier, and we we're talking about email marketing for humans. Doesn't automatic emails make you seem like less of a person <laughs> and more like a company? It does seem like that would be the case, but it's actually not when you put in time and effort into those emails. When you, when you kind of, both of you guys touched on storytelling telling part of your story, telling the story of the books that you created that you care about. If you make sure that each of those automatic emails have that personal touch, then you are going to get responses. I love to include a question at the end of my emails and I get responses whether that email is automated or whether I have sent that out live, typed it, and then uh, immediately copied and pasted it into AWeber to send out, I get responses either way. So I don't think people can determine whether or not I'm, I'm a human from that. Now, I will say there are courses, there are uh, PDFs you can download from online that share something called an email swipe file which is a template that you can use to write emails. And there's nothing wrong with basing an email off of something someone else wrote. The problem is, if you don't make it different enough and enough you, uh, I mean, we a lot of us, we're on these affiliate promo lists that someone is promoting a course at the same time and you get five of the exact same email. It's because people copied and pasted the swipe. You need to make it yours. You need to make it personal. 
That's really good. And another really easy way to make it personal is to just add people's first names to the email. You can ask for it in the subscribe form, ask for the first name, and you can set it up in any program where if it has the first name, it puts the first name, and if it doesn't, it just leaves it blank or puts the word hi. Uh, and that can. And the other thing that I've seen really helps is not to go crazy with the graphics. This is the convert kit philosophy where you don't have a fancy template. It looks like an email from a real person. And I tell you, if it's just plain text with maybe one or two images down the email and it says, hey, Joe, and then it's written out and then you've got, you know, Brian at the end or Thomas at the end, it feels like a personal email and they're going to respond to it and they're going to convert much better than something that you spent hours and hours making beautiful. Believe it or not, with email, beauty doesn't sell because the kind of emails you enjoy the most are written by real people in your life and it's just plain text. I love what you were saying earlier about, yeah, you might not like to do this. This might be uncomfortable for you. But it's necessary. You have to dive into it. One of the things we say over and over again, this is a show for novelists who aren't necessarily fond of marketing. We get that. And so you, I think you were pretty inspiring to people to say, hey, this is, this is something that you might be uncomfortable with, but you can do it. You can press into it. Anything else along those lines that you want to say to our audience? Sure. And, and I get it. I was there. I was afraid to respond to emails even that I, I received. I was just that... Uh, nervous about saying the wrong thing, saying the right thing. So I, I totally get you there. And what I recommend when you're trying to get the hang of writing these emails, one of the problems I think people run into is they feel as though they're taking time away from writing something they want to write, and they're forced to write something they don't want to write. And that's a problem because we, we get a little more writer's block when we don't feel like doing something. And so what I what I recommend is you actually block out a day, maybe even a week, where emails are your primary focus. And what that does, it, ideally, is you're sitting down and instead of writing painstakingly trying to write one email, you know you've got a few emails you have to write. And the hope is that by the time you're writing email number two, email number three, you actually start to get more into a flow state, the flow state we all like to be in when we're, when we're writing our fiction or our nonfiction. And it'll start to flow a little more easily because you're not thinking about the nine other things you want to write. Today is the day to write the emails. You're going to sit down and write the emails and you just go for it. You do it. You do it to the best of your ability. Obviously, you can edit later. But you need to try to set aside some time for this because there are, let me try to put this in a good way, uh, there are so many people out there talking about building your list, but if you don't have these automatic emails set up, I wouldn't put $1 into building your list. Because the people who join your list but don't get emails for three months, they could be a waste of money. And so you, you need to do the right things in the right order. And that means getting your touch points set up with readers first and then building your list. 
That's so good. And one thing to add, if this intimidates you, like getting into an email program intimidates you and you're writing all those emails, do it in Word, do it in Google Docs, do it in Scrivener if that's what you're used to. <laughs> like the, the being in the email, if that's intimidating, don't write your first draft there. You can copy and paste into those email apps very easily uh, down the road once you have a more um, polished email. I write all of my my emails in text edit for what it's worth. <laughs> <laughs> I write mine in Google Docs because I have as many people as possible look them over before I paste them into MailChimp. Well, that's a good point, Thomas, that you, you say that you have people look them over. We're we're always encouraging P, our, our audience, Brian, to have the, we have critique partners for our stories, but we encourage them to have critique partners for doing interviews and videos and all this kind of thing. So find another author and, and do this as a project together. Critique each other's emails, encourage each other. That might be the impetus that, that gets you over the hump and gets you doing it. One little additional hack is if you're getting a book edited, you could ask your editor to check over your emails that you just wrote as well. Great idea. Yeah, when I was putting together the drip campaign for the novel marketing uh, list, I was like, man, these are the best emails I've ever written. No one could improve on this. These are magic. And Jim gets in there and he's like, oh, man, these are a good start. Here's all the improvements that we could make. <laughs> and uh, they ended up being much better emails at the end of it once Jim uh, was done. But uh, Brian, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. Uh, where can people find out more about you? Sure. Well, if you are a podcast listener and you enjoy the Novel Marketing Podcast, you might also enjoy the Sell More Book Show, where, where every Wednesday morning you can go to sellmorebookshow.com or just search Sell More Book Show on your favorite podcast app. And, and I've always got a lot of different things going on, but you can kind of find out the hub of everything I've got over at briancohen.com. That's B R Y A N C O H E N. Com. Give us a one-sentence elevator pitch for the best book if somebody wants to read your fiction. It's a good example of an elevator pitch from a marketing expert. You have six, uh, 30 seconds. Go. <laughs> <laughs> for for my, one of my books or just one any of your, book? No, no, no. One of your novels. We want, we want our audience to buy some of your books. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Thank you for that. Well, I have the Viral Superhero series, which is a teenager who gets superpowers a zombie cheerleader sent to help him, and soul-snatching bad guys trying to kill them at every turn. All right. And the and the title of the first book in that series is? The Dark Souls. All right. Well, Brian, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. If you want to connect with Brian again, briancohen.com, and we'll have a link to uh, all of his stuff in novelmarketing.com slash ep- uh, 121, episode 121. Brian, thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you guys so much for having me. Good to get to know you, Brian. Likewise. You've been listening to James L. Rubart, Thomas Umstead Jr., and our special guest, Brian Cohen, on the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you novel ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between. Thanks for listening.